Greetings, amigops, and top teners everywhere. This is Mike from Top 10 with Kyle and Mike. I am joined this week, as I am every week, by my delightful co-host Kyle, who blends in perfectly with what I think is his headboard this week. In fact, I can barely see him. He looks like Inspector Clouseau. Uh, So I'm joined by Kyle to discuss a topic of neither of our choosing. In fact, this is a totally third-party, unverified list that hopefully does represent the views and opinions of the co-hosts of this podcast. But we are going to discuss that topic for something around an hour. We're going to debate it vigorously, rank it, re-rank it. Also, probably not. We don't seem to be doing that lately. Uh, And by the end of this episode, we will have a definitive top 10 of that thing. Kyle, I'm going to let you intro our guest. So, Kyle, who is our guest? Thanks, Mike, uh, for that fantastic introduction. We are blessed today to have a guest who we have been trying to get on for, like, we were just talking before the show started. Like, literally since the inception of this show, our friend was like, oh, that sounds fun. I'll make a list for that for sure. And... (laughs) <laughs> like what is it? it's like almost three years later that we're doing it but <laughs> so uh our mystery guest is our friend tony who we went to school with and who lived in the basement with us our freshman year in our college dorm not in our room specifically but very nearby and so tony spent a lot of time in our room doing all kinds of things usually yelling at the refs in fifa <laughs> he did he did have one very specific exclamation sir that uh, in the, so we've had very few like the the Dylan Kyle and uh, Mike Axis had very few arguments but the Kyle and Tony are screaming sir every 3 <laughs> seconds situation did spur some some anger from Dylan at one point so Tony thank you for being one of the few people along with Kyle and his sunflower seed chewing to, to be able to provoke our group to a fight. <laughs> hey, you're welcome. And if, you know, if there's one thing I have to be known for, like, that's that's not a bad one. Not no. a bad one at all. Yeah, like you were saying, I think we have literally, I've been trying to do this for three years. I said I was going to do it when you started, when you started originally. Ironically, I had started my podcast. I'm going to put that in quotes because it lasted all of three episodes. And uh, I don't think, and it doesn't, luckily for everybody involved, it doesn't exist anywhere on the internet, uh, except on somebody's, uh, somebody's Google Drive somewhere. You yeah, better find actually, out who that is. And it's funny about that. I don't know if I, if I've told you about this, but my, uh, my wife listened to it like probably a year ago. She was like, oh man, I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. Expecting it to be terrible. And her exact words were, well, it's not bad enough to uh, be funny, but it's also not good enough for me to keep listening to. So it's like, oh, yeah, brutal. That is ruthless in only in in the way only your like true life partner can be. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the benefit oh. of being married. Like you're gonna get the straight talk. That's tough. I'm sure that that's not true. I'm sure that that's not true. Yeah. Oh, well, I, uh, I I would think I would say it is. <laughs> Even if it is, this is this is a time for redemption. Like you could totally yeah. slay this episode, and because that one, none of those episodes really exist anywhere. the The entirety of your podcast experience, if this episode is great, will be like a plus stuff. That's, that's true. a really it's good like, point. It's like going to college and getting to change who you are and. <laughs> so it's like that except podcasting right yes or like a web redemption on tosh.0 so you have prepared a top 10 list right we didn't that's not bullshit <laughs> <laughs> wait 
Wait, I was supposed to do that? <laughs> yes. yes uh, you'd be surprised. surprised. <laughs> we have had one guest who we were talking about before the episode. One pencil or pen clicking comedic <laughs> co-host, Alex, came on and was like, huh? It's like, uh, what? <laughs> He's been so glad before. to hear you. Yeah, he had. Yes, this was not his first time. He's like, I want to do a, a topic. We're like, great. Awesome. We'll see you on Tuesday. And he like shows up. He's like, I didn't do a list. So. Ugh. Anyway, we're glad you did. Unforgivable. Yes, so I do have a top 10 list for you. And this is semi, or it's at least tangentially related to something that you were talking about earlier, which is playing FIFA. So what I have for you guys is, I'm going to call it the top 10 rage-inducing video games or video game moments. Oh, I love this. <laughs> that is so good. Now, I got to ask about timing is my immediate thing because there's one video game experience that I never had because I didn't play the particular game, but that I've heard mm-hmm. referenced historically as like, oh man, you would get to this level and then this would happen. So is there a time period? Is it games that you would have played, we would have played? Yeah, so... For the, for the actual list itself, I've tried to only include games that I have both played and have had this experience with. Nice. So that basically, uh, yeah, so, you know, it's mostly, you know, like N64 to present day. Most of them are, yeah, most of them are older, but uh, yeah, they're pretty much spanning that time period, I would say. That's fantastic. Amazing. Well, it's like, I'm sure we'll discuss this, but like the way, like in my experience, the the fashion in which these rage inducing moments come about have changed dramatically like as the consoles have progressed like the the stuff like the the reason that you're angry has changed like as games have become more sophisticated like it's less often that like the controls just don't fucking work but there's like the trade-off with the complexity of like newer games is like there's a whole other slew of things that can piss you off so this should be interesting right (laughs) <laughs> I do yeah. think it's interesting too you mentioned that Kyle because I do think with some of the older games there were situations where it wasn't a glitch per se that was frustrating but it was some sort of the limitations of the controls meant that the <laughs> thing you had to do required a very specific set of like timing and placement that just felt like it was out of your control and it would be really frustrating and I you're right that as the controls have gotten more sophisticated, they don't do that so much, but they find other ways to screw with you. And that's that's actually something I kind of, as I was coming up with this list and I was ranking the items, I kind of ranked them. Well, the things I have closer to the bottom of the list are things like that, which are like things you have control over. I listed actually closer to the bottom of the list because the things yeah. that I find most frustrating are things that you have absolutely no control over and no way yeah. to fix. It's just something that's ingrained in the game itself. So that's kind of, for reference, that's kind of how I chose to to just uh, delineate everything. I think that's right, especially because at least I remember playing one, I won't mention games just because who knows, they might come up, but there was a game I remember watching Kyle and Cameron play in college, and I was watching them do something that I couldn't do, for sure. In a million years, I couldn't do it because they're just so much more skillful than I am. And it was funny because that wasn't frustrating to me because I just knew I had a limitation that was my fault. But if it had been the game stopping me, it would have been much more frustrating. But I was just, you know, 
I was a JV baseball player watching Mike Trout, so it didn't bother me. I got to enjoy it, you know, some real pros. I would say that that's true until you get to a point where, like, you feel like you've mastered the game, and you're st- like, you were a relatively an like inexperienced player of said game. I assume you're talking. Do about- you know what game? Of- I yeah. assume you're talking about Smash, but like, but like, if you feel like you're a master of a game. And you're still, like, unable to complete what you need to do. Then it, like, it's, like, a new level of frustration where you're, like, fuck this. Like, I should be able to do this. You know what the worst part of that is? I think you're right. But the worst part is you've misidentified the game I was talking about. Oh, really? Yeah, which is tough because that means there was a second game. Uh Uh-oh. What was the second? Well, whatever. The show. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Yeah. All right. Uh, Tony, you want to dive into it? I think you've set this up perfectly. Yeah, this is going to be great. Okay. Yes. So... I will start with my number 10 most rage-inducing video game or video game moment. So, I don't know about you guys, I'm a fan of racing games. i played a lot, I mean, several different ones. One of my favorites right now is uh, Forza Horizon. Very fun game. But a lot of the the things that I don't like about racing games are the fact that, uh, especially when you're doing something like uh, a time trial, the feeling of missing out on something by just a little bit or not being able to complete the objective because you missed out on something by just a little bit is very frustrating. So my number 10, number 10 game is uh, Need for Speed. I think I played Hot Pursuit. That was probably the one I played the most of. And yeah, missing, missing a target time on a time trial by less than a second because like <laughs> you ran into a car or you uh, ran into a wall or something like that. And then having to redo the entire thing only for it to happen again and again, and again, and again, I can just remember wanting to throw my controller at a wall over that. <laughs> so, Kyle, am I right in thinking, as our resident video game historian, that time-based things don't seem to happen as much in video games anymore? Like, my memory of my early video gaming career was there was a lot of times where you'd have to complete a task in a minute, and there would be a clock ticking up top. But I feel like that doesn't happen a lot anymore. <laughs> I would say that, yeah, well, I mean, there's like a larger conversation to be had about like the times, the types of games that have kind of been phased out. And the, yeah, the big one that has been kind of gone the way of the dinosaur is the platformer, like that kind of died with like the N64 PlayStation era. And like, those are the kinds of games that tend to have like collect this yes. many, re- like collect this many red coins in this amount of time or like get this many puzzle pieces before the, like, and like that kind of task is you're right. Like, I think that's kind of not all the way, but like the simplistic kind of like nature. That's of- like, the, for me, I'm thinking about how the racing piece of it is, is interesting because there's different ways you can race. And I think Tony's right in specifically targeting the time trial because losing a race by like a half a car length isn't you it's harder to pinpoint where it went wrong but there's something about a clock ticking down or ticking up and in your head ticking down and knowing you just missed it i will say that like more more and more games now like because i don't play a lot of racing games so my experience with this is more a lot of games will have time-based challenges that are not part of the actual game so like so like mike when we used to play the fuck out of batman like it was like beat up this many enemies and like do it as, yeah. as high a score as you can and like do it under a minute and like to get the right score and to like not break your combo that whole time but miss the three stars because you it took you a minute and two seconds to butt punch everybody is like 
It's, it's just no worse experience than that. It took you like three video game references to mention the game I was talking about. It was the combos <laughs> you and Cameron were able to string together. I'm like, uh -oh. 13, yes! And you guys were like 170. <laughs> uh, but Tony, what gaming platform were you playing Need for Speed on for the most part? That one was uh, 360, I think, was probably the first mm -hmm. time I played it. It was the Hot Pursuit 2, so you get to... I, I think it originally came out on PlayStation 2, something like that, but the, the, the appeal to that is you like race against uh, traffic, and there's cops that try to... like You're racing, and then you have cops chasing after you the whole time, too, and they're like putting down spike strips and <laughs> calling helicopters in on you. and So it just like... For some of these two, like it just adds an extra element because like you could have a perfect race, but if something happens with one of those other elements, it could just completely wipe you out. Well, it's out like, of your control. Yeah, it's kind of, it's it's slightly different, but it's like like a like if you do a time trial in Mario Kart, it's just you in the road and three mushrooms. And so like if you fuck that up, it's kind of like well, I just need to have more judicious use of my mushrooms. But like in an actual race, there, you you could you could do everything perfectly and still come in seventh like with an inopportune banana blue shell combo like when things are taken out of your hands it gets really, I'm, I think the only time I've ever physically struck you Mike was I got blue shelled in a game of uh, double dash in my dorm and I was so mad <laughs> like, uh, I'm so picturing you and Alex like actually like actually sort of fighting but I think that your point about the the striking is important so. Tony, who did you share your frustration with somebody? Did you have a friend or a family member who you gamed with? Or is this like a teenage Tony in isolation just pissed in his room? <laughs> yeah, this is this is just me. <laughs> actually, probably in the in on the couch in my living room, uh, just being very upset by myself. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great pick. That is a great pick. What's uh what's number nine? Okay, so number nine, uh again, game you've mentioned. Super Smash Brothers, but specifically the things I remember are not being able to get back up onto the map when you get knocked off due to you either like put pressing a button wrong, starting your jump too late, your up B doesn't work, either your up B goes the wrong direction, or your up B just sucks because you picked a stupid character that has a terrible jump. <laughs> what what's so cool? <laughs> <laughs> and what's so frustrating about Smash is that the direction, like, like half of the game is just knowing whether you need to tilt the joystick, like, up or to the side, and then, like, or down, or, like, how hard you need to do it. Like, there's so much... Yes. For, like, for having very few controls, it's actually, like, a fairly complex, like, game if you want to get into it. But the frustration in that is that if you, like, fuck up the direction which you're pointing your joystick, like, even a little bit, it does... A completely different move than you're trying to do so like your up b is your recovery but if you're not careful and your diagonal morphs into a side b you're just like you're just an asshole instead of mario doing his like super jump you're just an asshole flipping your cape like a like a meter <laughs> below the edge of the stage and then that's it like you're fucked <laughs> and then just dropping into oblivion and then you're and, yeah and then your opponent can just taunt on the edge of the stage or or in the case of like luigi Right, <laughs> rocketing headfirst into the side of the stage and looking like even more of an asshole. It's especially frustrating, yeah, if you get a character whose side B like <laughs> traverses you a long distance across the stage, but gives you no vertical elevation change, and so like you've done a lot of work, <laughs> but none in the direction that you need. <laughs> Just, <Yeah>. That's <laughs> that does suck. 
So who is your typical character, Tony? And what was like if so if you if I said to you, like, go back in time to this instance, which character comes first to mind and what's happening? What's the action they're doing instead of doing what you want them to do? Yeah, so I I would say 90% of the time when I had this experience, it was playing as Fox and (laughs) trying to go either directly up and going to the side or trying to go directly to the side and going some other direction or doing something else. Like I have just vivid memories of hitting (laughs) the underside of a stage, trying to go straight up. For me, it was always Pikachu. So Pikachu has a unique recovery move where he does a double, it's a double dash where you, he jumps quickly in one direction and then... After that, you can choose the first direction, and then you can choose the direction of the second. So, like, you can do some really creative shit, like, even if you're not trying to recover, where you go, like, left and then right, or, like, up and then back down. But when you're recovering, what you want to do is, like, up and then diagonal, because you can't just go up twice. So if you go up and then diagonally, you're, like, maximizing the vertical gain you can get. But if you fuck up either of those, you end up doing like diagonal and then like sideways or like up and then straight back down. And it like it's kind of a tough like hoop, two hoops to jump through. And like it's high risk, but high reward. It's an incredible recovery move. See, I luckily didn't have this experience the several times (laughs) I've played Smash because I was too busy doing that Charizard move. That (laughs) means you either take the person out completely or you go off the side and that's it. So I really this I didn't have this frustration. Like you're a pretty yeah you're a pretty binary smash player. So the, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. There's really no third outcome for me. <laughs> you're, you're the you're the Adam Dunn of Smash. <laughs> oh my god, that's actually great. That would actually be a fun baseball reference to have like a two outcome score for the various characters on Smash. I would imagine Charizard has to have the highest two outcome percentage, like eighty five percent or so. Yeah. There's another move. Bowser has a move where he literally just grabs another player and then jumps off the stage. <laughs> where if Com- like a kamikaze move? Yeah, but if the person you've grabbed is at a lower damage than you, there's a chance that they can like wiggle out of the move. But mm. you're still going, like no matter what. So it's <laughs> interesting. So there's that's a man, that's a fun game. But yeah, you've you've captured a uniquely frustrating aspect of it, Tony. <laughs> That's, that's just one of those things that, that has stuck with me this whole time. Whenever I go back and play and it happens again, it's like, ah! <laughs> it's, it's also a thing that, like, because, like, as the games have Im- improved and gone, like, further on, like, this aspect actually hasn't changed at all. Like, it's not like playing the N64 version is less frustrating than playing the Switch version. Like, they're all the fucking same in terms of not being able to recover in fact the further you go the harder it is because they've added more moves so it's like right this one has not gotten better with time all right shall we hit number eight we shall so for number eight i have dark souls and this one's kind (laughs) of i mean kyle you're you're shaking your head already so this one's kind (laughs) of notorious i would say for being difficult and frustrating on its own so this one's kind of just this one's just an overarching for the game in general the specific thing, like to throwing yourself at a wall, which is trying to beat any one of the numerous bosses and just dying either the same way or in unique ways over and over and over again and just not seeing a way forward. Dark Souls? So, Mike, Dark Souls is like, it's a series of games that has become infamous for just being so obscenely difficult. And 
difficult in that like it requires kind of like brute force like rote kind of like smashing your head against the wall to like get through it like it's not it's it's difficult in a way that's reminiscent of like old games like it's difficult in the way that like the hard levels of super mario brothers are difficult you know like do you think that's a fair characterization tony yeah i would say it's difficult in a way that it's not it's 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 difficult but it's not like stupid it it reward like if you learn the mechanics and learn and learn the specifics of each boss or each area you can figure like you can like the people that get really good at this game the same way the people that can play like super like the original super mario brothers and just fly through the thing and do impossible jumps and whatever. If you get really good at it and, and learn the specifics, you're rewarded for that. It's just, it takes a ridiculous amount of skill to get to that point. Well, and, and also a ridiculous amount of time. Cause it's, it's just punishing. Like you go into yeah. a boss and like, if you fuck up, like you, you don't, you haven't quite learned like the swipe move yet. And if it, let's say it takes you like six times to figure that out. Like, each time you fuck it up, you're dead. So, like, that means that... And usually, like, there's, like, some amount of warm-up period before you get back to that boss. So, like, each... In the, like, in that in itself is not easy either. So, like, you know you know that each time you die, it's, like, a minimum of, like, another five minutes before you get back to that well, that's, point. That was what I was going to say about what you're, what you're saying is interesting because checkpoint placement yeah. <laughs> is, like, a pretty significant factor in these things that has varied a lot as different sort of generations of games have come out the the flip side of that coin is that when you beat a boss in dark souls it's like almost orgasmic in terms of like the satisfaction derived from it because it required so much of your time and energy like it's not it's like it's it's a it's a satisfaction you get from a game that you can't manufacture in any other way than making you work so fucking hard for it (laughs) but well, like, based on the description you provided, I've well, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh like these games are notorious. Like that's what they're known for. I've also it's also worth noting that I've never like finished a Dark Souls game like but I've played enough of it to to understand this dynamic. Yeah, I did finally I picked up Dark Souls 3 and and played through and played through the whole thing. Actually, not that I I have not finished the DLCs, but I went through and and finished the main campaign and, and had some similar experiences to that where there are certain ones where you just bash your head against a wall but then when you finally get done with it it's like oh yes this thing that i've spent however long playing and i've actually normally had the experience of you know I'll, I'll i'll go after it you know it'll take an hour and then as soon as i beat that i'm like all right i need to stop playing this for a long time yeah come back to it it's <laughs> like i am i am physically and mentally exhausted from this <laughs> that's cool though. like but let, let, one of the key differences is that like that kind of experience with an older game is like you're it's kind of it whereas in dark souls like the experience of like being beheaded like a hundred times in a row is like is is more fun because they're such like incredibly designed games like the the act of like traversing this frustrating world and like interact like that the the design of the games are are so amazing and it's that like it kind of makes it worth having to like go through it so many times that's another aspect mm-hmm. i think that's worth mentioning <laughs> that's interesting that is a good point because sometimes the journey is not so much the reward <laughs> in some games where it's really like i'm literally just trying to get through this so i can beat the boss yeah but if you can look back on the 97 times you played through one level with some sort of smile on your face that's quite an accomplishment on the game yeah good pick well 
I don't know about how this will work. Historically, this would bring us to a particular phase of the list. Tony, do you think we ought to go to that part of the list? I think so. I've kind of got I've got some stuff picked out for that potentially. Oh, all right. Well, um, the only thing is, before we start, someone is going to have to cue Kevin in to let him know to play the not top three music. It's not going to be me. <laughs> yeah, we usually we usually bequeath this honor upon any guest should they choose to. <laughs> oh, oh. Well, I. I, I I didn't think I was I was going to be bequeathed that honor. That's a high <laughs> that's a high honor. <laughs> All right. Well, hope I don't screw this up. But uh, Kevin, play that spanky beat. <laughs> oh, be- beautifully done. Kevin is in the other room smiling. That was beautiful. We do not know Kevin. Yeah, we do not know Kevin. Wow, beautifully done. Well, Stankalicious uh, beats from Kevin. Thank you, Kevin and Tony. Great intro. So uh, let's talk it through. What What is the sort of structure of your not top three? So for my not top three, I chose to kind of just go the opposite direction and pick three incredibly satisfying moments that I that I pulled from like my gaming history. Okay. And, and some of these are, are, they're not like necessarily specifically like the best. You know, I, I kind of just tried to think of three really good ones that I've, like had happened in the last, I don't know, six months or something like that. So number three on this is uh, finding a legendary weapon in Borderlands. Kyle, I don't know if you played Borderlands. You strike me as the kind of person that might have played that, but I've watched my stepdad play a lot of Borderlands, <laughs> so I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, so it's like uh, me with Skyrim. Yep, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it's like a, it's a it's a looter shooter with the idea basically like it's the random procedurally generated guns all over the place. So uh, it's just a very something very rarely happens. You get these legendary weapons that drop that have absurd stats and characteristics and do all kinds of fun stuff. But you could play through you could play the entire campaign through and not find one. Ooh. So when it does happen, it's it's very it's very satisfying. It's a very nice thing to have happen. I've never witnessed that happen. Now I kind of now I just want to get Borderlands and, and do that. Maybe Mark just has bad luck. Yeah, could be. I mean, I, I think there there are certain ones that are like scripted to show up if you do certain things. But the the more the I think the the better ones are the ones that just randomly pop up because there's a one in ten thousand chance of it showing up during this encounter, and it happens to show up. And yeah. It's very, it's very satisfying. Number two on this list is uh, making like a scoring an aerial goal in Rocket League. Oh, that's such oh, a great oh, pick. good call. Which yeah, so like just Rocket League in and of itself, like basically like you could put scoring at all or basically anything <laughs> yeah. you do in Rocket League on this, just because like the amount of skill it takes to do anything other than just drive around in circles and watch the ball fly over you is incredibly high. So to be able to put in enough coordination to do anything close to what you want to do, I feel like is very satisfying. Aerial goals and epic saves. Like if there's a scenario where a ball is like over the line, but not fully there yet, and you manage to knock it out, that's that's a good feeling. I'd say that and aerial goals are few and far between for me. <laughs> Have you ever watched anyone play Rocket League, Mike? I've played Rocket League with you. Oh, really? Back in the day, back before it was the... Um... I think it was at least at that point we were playing it on the 
PlayStation, right? We would have been. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we yeah I played that with you a couple times. Whoa, actually many times. We had a we had a phase there where we were playing that. I was bad, obviously, but I did quite enjoy it. That's funny. I was doing the drive around in circles thing. I have no memory of that. That's awesome. Why did you play? Well, it's too bad because I do. It was very pleasant. <laughs> It is, a, it is a very just pleasant game to play. It's it's one that's fun to suck at. Like, it would have been very nice to be good at, but I enjoyed it in any way. It didn't bother me. I really... It, it also requires... It's, maybe it's because I'm so bad at it. It, like, doesn't require, like, that much of my brain so I can listen to, like, a podcast or an audiobook or music while I'm playing it. And that's, like, a really nice way to spend an hour or six. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then the last one I have, number one, is uh, in Mario Kart, uh, hitting any of the mushroom-required shortcuts. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I specifically always think of, uh, in Mario Kart 64, that track with the beach. And there's that- I was just going to say, this yes. is the beach. This is literally Shy Guy, the beach. Is that Shy Guy one. Beach, or is that uh, Koopa Beach? I think it, I want to say it's Koopa Beach. In N64, I think it's still Koopa Beach. And it's like, the, it's just a circular track in the middle of the island is like that big rock thing. Yeah. And then there's that ramp, like the yellow and red ramp. Just the one ramp. And if yeah. you hit it just right, there's like a hole behind the waterfall and it like shoots you straight through the middle of the rock in the middle. Like you of the cut island. off half the track, I would say. Like a big chunk of it, yeah. 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 Or there's like, there's so there's those shortcuts which are like, designed to be exploited and then there's like i've never done this but like i I used to watch quinn and taylor do it they could they figured out how to jump off of the edge of rainbow road at the part with the huge hill and then they would land like on the track like right before the finish line and they would bypass the entire circuit just by like boosting at the right angle off of the map (laughs) that was satisfying even to watch but it's higher it's really risky because if you fuck up you know you're, you're falling for a long time so it's that time plus the, the lack of two time to pull you back up yeah 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 the other one i remember is on uh gamecube and double dash you play the yoshi circuit through the waterfall yeah you're coming yeah. around the corner you can hit yep. that one i did that one a lot i played a lot of double dash there's a lot of great shortcuts in double dash <laughs> yeah there are i want to mention a couple things that i think fit into this category that are uh, so I would emphasize the exact opposite of the list, which is satisfying, but also easy. So like unearned satisfaction. Okay. So All right. I would say probably the most unearned satisfaction I've had playing video games is when they first changed the Madden controls. So that triangle on defense was the catch button. <laughs> so you would be, you would, a ball would be thrown. And it would be like a very long Hail Mary that would float for about eight seconds. You would just switch to the nearest cornerback or safety and just tap triangle as the ball was almost coming down. And it would you would go up into that freeze frame. The whole camera would turn. You would intercept it. It was the it was no there was no skill involved. Incredibly easy. Great angle. That was an that was a really wonderful feeling. Another one is the Batman butt punch. So, like, the end of a combo, when you take out the end of, like, a big room of villains in the Arkham games, you would, I think, Kyle, if I'm remembering right, you didn't even have to, you just had to do a combo, right, was the only thing that needed to happen? The only thing that has to happen is, if you knock someone on the ground, 
you can do a finisher. You hold right trigger and press yeah. triangle, and Batman will like straddle the the victim and just punch victim. down to the, yeah. <laughs> the, it's a criminal, the perpetrator. It's a criminal. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, just like smash down as hard as he could with his fist, <laughs> and it's usually on their dick or butt, well, and it's, it's like just the visual. It's, it's supposed to be on their face, but sometimes the animation sort of glitches, and instead it's their butt. Yeah, I would say like eighty percent of the time the per the the perpetrator is head is head side up, so he hits them either in the face and their head hits the concrete or their face down and he punches them in the back of their head which is even more brutal mm, but sometimes yeah. sometimes the animation fucks up and their legs are facing up and so batman dick punches them <laughs> which is which is funny but like also it like makes sense that then that person then passes out but what passes out yeah the mo- that happens maybe like you know yeah 15 of the time 10 percent, yeah but the five percent where the glitch really fucks up and their feet first and their face down is the legendary Batman butt punch, which like, which it looks funny, but it's also hilarious to imagine the force you would have to exert on someone's butt to knock them unconscious. (laughs) Yeah. Because there's, there's like the ranger kick where you kick the inside of someone's thigh. And the idea is you shock the femoral artery and that (laughs) knocks them out. And like, that's, we're talking about army rangers with an extreme amount of training kicking in the inner part of the thigh. Like that is an unbelievable convergence of factors causing this person to get knocked out. But one man (laughs) punching somebody so hard in the butt, they pass out. is just unreal. And and worth noting pass out for like 30 to, to maybe, you know, 75 minutes until the police come yeah yeah with with no brain damage or anything so <laughs> that's that's one uh and then i would also say probably a little bit harder i suppose but just still incredibly satisfying is this is the uh super strike in uh strikers i'm glad you said that yeah because it doesn't it doesn't really take like that. a lot of skill but man when you watch the hopeless look on alex's face as your guy is just like powering up to kick a ball right past his goalie. He's such a shit when you play uh, strikers with him. It's so great. That is, that is a fantastic game that I forgot entirely about. Yeah. I haven't played strikers in years now, which is too bad. Far too long. Well, that's, that's one of those games now where I, I don't own a GameCube anymore. So it's, it's unless I emulated it somewhere, it would be, very difficult for me to play now dylan has well cameron has my gamecube but dylan has my copy of strikers i think so Mm. that's a double whammy there's still a chance that i could play it i just need to go for dylan's and convince him to play with me i'll the only one i'll add to this because i was going to say the strikers the super strike is um it's like it's kind of difficult but like whenever you finish a zelda temple you beat the boss and then you get a heart piece and like Getting the heart piece is cool, but the like the little jingle, like the, like the opening a chest in Zelda is, uh, yeah. <laughs> there's all there's all kinds of like chest noises in Zelda. Like there's a like that's good. Or the <laughs> there's all kinds of great Zelda jingles, and uh, so it's always fun to open a chest in any of those games. That's the one I'll add. So, I like it. All, all right, shall right, we return to the body of the list? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so number seven, I have uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater, and 
in particular, when you build up an enormous combo only to <laughs> either fail your manual or slide off a rail and smash your face <laughs> and lose all of it. Brutal. Now, is there a particular uh, entry in the series you're thinking of? So, not particularly. I actually, like, my first intro to playing Tony Hawk Pro Skater was, like, I think it was, like, two or three, but for the Game Boy Advance. Whoa. So, <laughs> I don't think I knew I anybody who played Tony Hawk on Game Boy. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's it's a port that probably shouldn't have existed because it wasn't very good, <laughs> but but I played I played a ton of that game. So, that was kind of my experience with Tony Hawk. And, and yeah, and part of the reason why I think it probably shouldn't have existed is because half the appeal of Tony Hawk is like everybody talks about the music, right? Like how great, great the music point. was. And hearing it in, you know, 8-bit or 16-bit <laughs> sound coming out of a Game Boy speaker like just doesn't do it justice at all. But still, the, the same the same uh, thing holds true when you're trying to go for the... What's the what? What would they call the whatever the highest? You go for like the three high scores, whatever the highest level is. I forget what it's got. A, oh, it's, got a, it's like six score or something. Yeah, I don't, I don't you're right. I is. forgot about that. I just remember trying to get the um, playing Tony Hawk Pro Skater Two. You had to get they like would scatter the letters that spelled out skate, skate. Yeah, and yeah. you had to like yeah, those was fun. It's really funny. I'm now just imagining the Ace of Spades playing through a little Game Boy. And it does, and just in my head, it doesn't sound great. High score, pro score, and sick score. Oh, that's it. So sick was the best. Okay. Yep. Yeah, that's a fu- that's a great call on this one. So I, I think I, so I played the first one. I used to rent it all the time, and as you'll recall, you had, you would have the memory packs on a Nintendo, so you could have any cartridge you wanted as long as you kept the memory pack. So I was renting the game the first one and then the second one which most people say is the best i didn't have i went to eric p's house and (laughs) i used to play it at his house i think it was one of the blue ones i want to say he it was one of the blue cartridges so i played that at his house and then three i got on playstation so three was probably the one i played the most yeah tony hawk is one of those games that probably for me had one of the highest frustration levels because it combined a lot of the elements of like the real frustration causer. So there were timing elements to a lot of the things you were doing there. The combo element. Combos are just like generally a thing that are can be really frustrating in a video game. But it also had it had those things, plus it had the go find something hidden frustration with tapes. Like you remember you had to go find tapes. That's right, the hidden tape. Yeah. Or cash. And- or yeah or, yep and so it and the thing was of so all those elements together in an environment where you feel like you can do anything and you can until you just fuck up that little thing like if you it's so odd to me that you could do like a 1080 to a you know rail grind but if you like <laughs> wobbled a quarter of an inch wrong you fell off the rail and that was it and so it's just like it set you up to think you were invincible and then it would just dick punch you. I'm now remembering the animation where like you would completely just eat shit. Like fall oh, off a yeah. like fall off a rail and just like ping, like knock your head on it, and then your oh, board yeah. like flies off and then the guy just like he rolls over, pushes himself up, lifts his leg up, and then the board just like slides back under the foot, yeah. <laughs> like no matter where it went. <laughs> 
it's definitely one of those big picture decisions when you're designing a game. Like, I think a lot of people will get stuck up in this sort of down in the weeds decisions like, hey, should we have this rail be here or this rail be there? But like the big picture decision, should we make this game hard is a really (laughs) important decision. And the decision like, yeah, we're not going to screw around with making them go find the board and get back (laughs) on it. Like, it's a great decision. Yeah. Yeah. Good for them. Tony Hawk. I, I did you did either of you read the uh the Ringers like March Madness bracket for video game characters? No. When was that? This was this just like the other day or last March Madness? It was like last it was like a couple weeks ago. And No. The final four was three who you'd expect. Mario, Sonic, Link, and the fourth was Tony Hawk from Tony Hawk Pro Skater, which I I quibble with because like Tony Hawk is not a video game character. He's a person who it was in a video game, but like he's also not even the best skater in his own video game. Right. So it was interesting, but it like it goes to, and he was like a, he was like an eight seed or some shit. So it like goes to show you like how much people fucking love these games, despite the frustration of losing a fucking combo. But it's, it's another thing. This is like a dark souls thing though, where when you finally get it, it's like, it's like a mic drop moment and, it's like the best feeling ever. Incredible. What about number six? Okay, so for number six, uh, I have Halo, and there's a lot of moments that you could that you could put for this. I'm remembering specifically one of, one of my most frustrating things is like spawning in and knowing, oh, I'm gonna go get a sniper rifle. I'm gonna go get the shotgun. I'm gonna go get the rocket launcher. Grabbing it and then immediately getting killed and not getting <laughs> to use any of those things. Oh, that. I don't want to. I don't want to go too far off, but just because I haven't played Halo, the the equivalent experience is when you've been fucking grinding on Battlefront for an entire match, and you finally have enough points to oh. p- to play as like Darth Maul, and you fucking show up and <laughs> you're, and then like immediately get domed by some asshole sniper, and you're like, fuck. <laughs> That's a great. That's a great one too. Yeah, I, but I assume it's the same experience where, like, you finally get like something fucking dope and then don't have a chance to use it. Yes, or or do something stupid with it and kill yourself. Or yeah. <laughs> what was the spawning location situation in Halo multiplayer? So for for stuff like that, they would consistently. I mean, depending on what game type you were playing, um, they would spawn consistently in the exact same spots on the map every single time. <laughs> So, so for people, like, if you knew where to go to get them, yeah. like, you could get there pretty quickly, but then, so, so, so for the people that were really good, you had no chance because they would always know when they were going to be there. So it made it a big deal when you finally got one of these things and then the frustration all that much more when, uh, you don't get killed. What's weird is that the longer we've gone, the more your frustration shift from, like, the game being shitty to you being shitty and now like more often than not like it's still usually like me being shitty but now we're in this weird realm where like a lot of your frustrations are with other people (laughs) that you don't (laughs) that you don't know and that you're not interacting with (laughs) which is like way worse like there's nowhere to direct your ire like (laughs) at least if you're shitty at a game you're like wow i'm I'm a piece of shit when it comes to halo but like anyways (laughs) yeah I, I wish that I had gotten into Halo, but I think that... Yeah, I'm very surprised you didn't. Was there a reason? It was just that you were an Xbox guy? I didn't have an, I never had an Xbox, yeah. That's it. 
That's all it That'll was. That'll do it. Yeah. That will do it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Microsoft. Yeah. Uh, any more notes right. on Halo? All right. Number five, then? Right. Numero Number five. five. Okay. So I think I think with this one, we're going to start getting into the, the, real, the real meat of this list. I think most people are going to be able to... Uh, to sort of uh, relate to all of these at some level. Um, number five, I have Pokemon. <laughs> specifically, specifically with Pokemon, trying to catch any of the legendary Pokemon and how frustrating oh it can be watching that ball bounce and bounce and rattle and rattle and rattle. The rattle! For it. Oh, it was so close. But fuck you. Yeah, they designed the little the little dialogue boxes to be dickish too. Wow, I that would not have occurred to me to put on this list, but that is like as far in terms of like universal kind of like experience, like everyone has fucking thought that they captured a legendary Pokemon and then had their their face right. They're like, oh, I finally got my Zapdos. Oh, you're so right. It just goes like yeet. yeet. Ye- ye- and you knew if it was i think it was if it did it three times you were good but after the second one pff, it didn't work like i know it didn't it, work fuck off it's really funny because when we were talking about the other like the opposite on the not tops i was thinking that the master ball experience is a really good example of of like a really satisfying experience that you didn't earn but i will say <laughs> like even that it's so easy that it's not even all that satisfying Right, like especially the, if you're Dylan and you cheated. Yeah, fuck you, Dylan. Fuck you, Dylan. But but this part of it is so the opposite. Yeah, like weakening. Uh, I might my my uh, for some reason it just I always remember Pokemon Gold trying to catch a Lugia and like like spending like off like spending like twenty minutes getting it down to like you know is actually the worst fucking thing is getting like a legendary Pokemon like down to like ten HP. And you're like, I'll do, I'll do one more oh, just to make sure, yes. and then killing it. And I'm like, fuck! <laughs> Great call. <laughs> killing the fucking Zapdos. <laughs> That's such a good call. That was the worst because it's the the tough part is like if you were in a gym setting and yeah. somebody had a legendary Pokemon and you killed them, it's like such <laughs> an incredibly rewarding experience. <laughs> And it's the exact opposite. You're just praying to get them to one HP. And you yeah. just, you kind of know you're doing something dumb as you do it. But you still, like, you wish you had sleep powder. But you kind of know that probably wasn't going to work anyway. You're, Brutal. It's a real Icarus scenario. Like, well, yeah. I've only got one great ball. I've only got two great balls here, so. <laughs> uh I went so far as to go look up, like, okay, maybe I'm just remembering this wrong, and, and looked up like the the like rates at which you could do this kind of stuff, Amazing. and uh, did not realize how complex the formula was for determining whether or not you could catch certain uh, Pokemon in the game. Interesting. Yeah. Is there any findings you want to share? Because that's actually super interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, so I'll, I'll just kind of like high level overview. Like each of them has like a certain base rate. So like you can imagine like catching a Pidgey is way easier than catching, you know, sure. uh, Mewtwo, for example. So there, there is a base rate that goes into it. However, for every encounter, apparently, there's just a random en- integer that gets generated between like 0 and 250 or 255 that determines your likelihood of success in that encounter. 
And then there's your, it's also modulated by like whether you use a Pokeball, a Great Ball, an Ultra Ball. But at a certain point, there is just a random level going into that fight saying like, here is your percentage chance that any one of these things will work. So you could just any be, one of your balls will work. You could just be fucked. Like if you get the wrong seed, it's like sorry, you're not catching this fucking Charizard today, well, my guy. <laughs> it's it's you always have a non-zero chance, but right. it's like the difference between it taking ten or fifty, right? Basically, <laughs> that's yeah. amazing. Like, do you have it? Do you have a two percent chance, or do you have a? Yeah, it's 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 absurd. So I feel actually having looked at that, I feel vindicated. It's like <laughs> it's not just that I was like an impatient child. It was like no math was math was against me. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. I like that. It's it's you've had your web redemption many years later. Yes, I also suspect that this is held true for every iteration of Pokemon that's ever existed. So you like, should. so like if you're playing whatever version of Pokemon is out today, like you're probably still able to identify with this, except with like 900 more Pokemon than I'm familiar yes. with. Yeah. I think I think their algorithm has gotten more sophisticated, but at at the end of the day, it's essentially the same thing. There's still some kid somewhere watching a Pokeball go, little side yeah. to side. Ah, uh, shit. Yeah, for sure. But they're live streaming it for millions of viewers and making a lot of money off of it. So yeah, they're yes. smarter than us, obviously. Wow, right. that's a really fucking good one. I'm excited to see what the next four are. Yeah, that's a pretty amazing five. All right, so number four, I mean, this is kind of an obvious one that Kyle and I share, uh, FIFA. <laughs> the, the, the moments that I've called out for this are, one, passing the ball out of bounds. <laughs> Brutal. Passing, passing to the wrong team. Getting FIFA. Or just blasting a shot over the goal when you're, when you're, you're like, no, I tapped it. I tapped it. I yeah. Well, first, like we would, we would actually call this getting FIFA. Like when you mean to pass to one player and it goes to another player and you just get picked off. Like that happens with like a shocking re- amount of regularity, considering we were playing on like PS three, like a fairly, so- yeah. like a fairly sophisticated system. The other thing I've never understood is why they set the like the sensitivity on the shoot button the way that they have because like. But there's like a there's like a whole bar like if this is your bar I'm sorry listeners like th- basically like like if you hold anything past like 15 percent high on this bar you're just wailing it into the stands like there's no point in having a bar that's like yeah. zero to a hundred if you can realistically only score like between zero and ten <laughs> it doesn't make any sense you're, you're, the usable amount on the scale is only about a third of it and the other part is just absolutely useless for doing anything other than clearing the ball i think it's it's interesting because they had to solve for the problem of scoring and artificially (laughs) kind of making the scores somewhat like actual soccer scores and so i think this was their solution because i guess your other options are if you get the if you get the meter calibrated the way it kind of feels like it ought to you would either have to make kind of left right up down accuracy worse or you'd have to make goaltending better and my guess is that visually to make this look right like to make the actual visual of watching a shot get taken look more realistic this was probably their only solution the problem is you end up with the unrealistic scenario where like 40 percent of your shots are going like 
the height of two men above the goalpost and like yeah. ki- k- killing yeah. some child in the first row. <laughs> Launching balls into the upper deck of the hundred thousand person stadium. That's true. Which makes sense if you're like being a dick and you're playing as Team USA every single time. But like, like I, I don't know if anyone would do that. But like, but like if you're playing as, as if you're playing as like Bayern, it makes less sense that like every shot you take is like missing the net by a margin that's twice the what the the height of the net. <laughs> yeah, just lots of lots of fond and not so fond memories of all of those things happening. I remember. Tony, playing FIFA in your sophomore year room, so the, whatever number turret that was. and uh, 315, right? Was it 315? Yeah. And I was I was playing with John, and I got FIFA'd but with my, <laughs> with my goaltender. So I, like, tried to roll the ball out to, like, my first... I meant to, like, whip it and, like, throw it to my, like, midfield defender, and he just casually uh-huh. rolled it to, like, the first defender there. Which John was right there, so he picked it off and then like scored an easy goal. So I got FIFA'd, and I was like happy to be like, "Shit, I've been FIFA'd. I need to score now." And John, I've never seen this happen like this level of sportsmanship happen in a video game. He was like, "Up, oh, you got FIFA'd there, here, here," and he scored on himself to like even the game. Which like that's such a that's such a John. It's move, the most though. John. Yeah, we talked about it on this podcast. If you've heard us reference the nicest guy on earth, it was this John. Yeah. This guy, this John, and like, which it, it's kind of, it's, it was totally unnecessary because like built into like our understanding of the shortcomings of FIFA was also this understanding of like, you're going to get fucked by FIFA and like, yeah, that's FIFA just the, giveth, like, FIFA taketh away. Yeah. Like if you're, you're going to play enough FIFA that these will even out at some point. So just like fucking deal with it. But yeah, no, it's just one more factor to deal with, which I do like, like the, I like that, like that kind of aspect can influence the way that you play a game like it's kind of a meta like like in strikers for example alex knew that there was only like a one in 20 chance that shooting from beyond midfield would score but or like right at midfield would score but his solution most people's solution is to take more high percentage shots closer to the net his was just to take 50 shots from midfield like when you can kind of start to game the game the game percentages yeah, I think it's it is sort of funny though because of all the major sports, I think soccer is probably the most gaff filled, at least that I think of. Partially because the scoring is so low yeah. that like the margin for error is so much narrower that like goalie tries to clear a ball but like slips and the ball goes five feet is such a disastrous occurrence and. Like, actually relatively frequent, I think, compared to the other sports, that I don't hate that part of it. Hockey is kind of similar to that, where, like, sometimes, you know, a player will take a bouncing shot from center ice, and it just, because the ice is a little bit, you know, di- filled with divots, it, like, just bounces weird. So I, I do kind of like that. Like, that that same type of occurrence just doesn't, isn't really a part of baseball, it's not really a part of football a little bit. Uh, definitely not basketball, I would say. But, like, I kind of like that about FIFA. Good pick. It. And fitting, considering we we spent countless hours playing FIFA together. Yeah. If only we had Keddy just listening into this conversation. <laughs> Keddy doing cat <cat-in> homework. <laughs> that we weren't doing because we didn't want oh. to. <laughs> uh, good times. All right. Shall we? Number three. Maybe we do honorables at the end if you got any. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, that's fine. 
Number three, I have uh, Super Mario Sunshine. So <laughs> I actually just, I played this for the first time uh, about like two months ago. So this is this is my wife's favorite game of all time. And I had never played it, so I was really excited to play it. Um, going through, like, you know, the, the majority of the game, you've got, like, the titular, like, sunshine part of it is, like, you've got the backpack that shoots water out, right? Sure. Flood. Imagine, imagine my frustration when you go into these levels and the first thing they do is take that away. <laughs> and then you have to play through the whole level as a stupid platformer with slippery controls, with edges that don't line up and just, oh man. It, it's funny you say that because I assume you bought the version for Switch or do you, Right, like you don't have a yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, and I and I'm sure that this is a this is a nuanced point for sure. So I'm I'm glad you're bringing it up too. Well, well, no, I just want to confirm that we're playing the same game because I I bought so they remaster they didn't remaster it actually. It's like completely the same. But they just I think it's the same game. It's yeah. literally just the same game. It's just on the Switch now. So you bought it's a bundle. You get Mario sixty four, Mario Sunshine, and Mario Galaxy. I've been playing yeah. through them when I have. I'll, I'll take the switch and like play it on the couch if there's something on TV that I'm not like fully invested in. So I've been it's pe- taking me some time to get through it. But the frustration about Mario Sunshine specifically is that it's a game that's designed like 97% of the time for you to have like the margin of error of what the hover pack will let you do. So like mm-hmm. it's under like it's it's pretty it's pretty forgiving unforgiving in terms of like where you need to land because you have such a high degree of specificity with where you like land with the but as soon as you take that away all of a sudden you have to be really really precise like it has it's not the quite the right term but like the hitboxes are really fucked up and so like those specific levels are a real bitch because (laughs) the, the the rest of the physics of the game are designed like understanding that you have this wide margin of error and then all of a sudden that's taken away and the same is true of like a lot of the jump mechanics, like the wall jumping yeah. and like that kind of shit, which is frustrating in a weird way that doesn't exist for Mario sixty four because <laughs> because there's no fucking jetpack to like to bail you out of tough spots. Yeah. the The other part of that 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 Mike you brought up earlier in terms of uh, like save points and checkpoints, the other really frustrating part about those levels is a lot of the times they're buried within like one of the worlds (laughs) so not only so not only do you have to first get to that spot you then have to like you have to go back into the world which could take you know 45 seconds a minute to get to that spot depending on how far it is you then have to find your way to that specific point in the level which could take you another minute two minutes depending on how long it is then once you get into that level you only have however many number of lives that you took in with you in order to complete it if you get a game over there, it doesn't just kick you back to the start of that level. It kicks you out into the overworld. Yes. So you have to go navigate back into the specific level and then find your way back. It's just, it's so frustrating. That game is, that game is, I didn't remember how frustrating it was. And having played it, I also think that the controls on the Switch are a little less sensitive than what I remember playing on the GameCube. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. It's definitely an aspect of it, but yeah. <laughs> that's a really good pick a timely one yeah that one was that that one's been brutal for me finally got through it and now you know suffering in different ways through mario 64 <laughs> which is a great game but man camera camera in mario 64 was not a concept that existed fucking lack is just a shitty camera guy 
I do uh, want to. When we do some honorables, I, I may mention yeah. a little sixty-four situation. Gotcha. All, All right. right, number two. All right, number two, Mario Party. So again, tons <laughs> of things you could talk about here. <laughs> one thing specifically I'm going to talk about is when someone, normally the person who's like putting the least amount of effort into the game, somehow manages to have a star placed directly in front of their space. Yeah, and has to do nothing. The other side of that is when you when the star is either placed on the space that you're on or one behind you to the point where you have to go around the entire map to get it again and somebody else will inevitably get it first. We, I think everyone who's ever played Mario Party has had this experience. We used to call it Comrade Bowser because the, <laughs> <laughs> because the system is so fucking communistic. Like, like, like you dominating every fucking minigame is has no correlation whatsoever to whether or not you win. Like, <laughs> which in some ways is good, right? Like, it's no fun if you have no fucking chance to win just because you're shitty. But at the same time, that's kind of how things go. Like, if you're not good at mini games, maybe you shouldn't be winning. The word, like, that, the, and like, but sometimes it would be even more overt. Like, I remember in Mario Party 5, there's like the, the indirect way of like just like making the star placement good but i remember in mario party 5 at the end they would literally just be like you got the bad luck we're taking a star from you and giving it to this person with like with no further justification it's like all right <laughs> fuck me i guess well yeah and then even there's even the mini games where it's literally like like some of the dual mini yeah. games where it's all right pick one of these three strings to pull and one of them kills you and the other one <laughs> you win yeah. like <laughs> Yeah. There's not not a whole lot to be said there. It's a, it's so yeah, I mean this is more fresh the better you are at Mario Party, the more frustrating this is, right? <laughs> so yeah, you, this was definitely one where it's just it's tough because this was a game you were usually playing. Like it was at least in my experience, this was like a sleepover type game where it actually like the Mario Party is actually the right term for it. Yeah. And it would quickly be like the details of the game would quickly be forgotten by everybody except the person who this happened to. Cause like the winner is just basking in the glow of the win. Everybody else has flushed this game out of their memory, but the person who got comrade Bowsered <laughs> is like stewing in it, knowing that everybody's just going to remember that like Chris won and you lost. Even though it's like, well, Crisp sucks butts. I was way better than him, but he got that star. Like, it's just, I think that part was what, what was the toughest part for me is it lingered. <laughs> I, I remember it was staff training week before our senior year. So it was like, it was me, Dylan, Nate, and Ryan. We were like the only people in the dorm. And we played a game of Mario Party on my GameCube. And <laughs> Ryan was not good at mario party and like <laughs> that's I, surprising <laughs> yeah you guys both know ryan it was so funny like he he like somehow ended up with like four stars out of nowhere at the end and like i i couldn't even be mad because the look on his face he was like oh oh <laughs> like, what <laughs> and for the for the listeners who don't know ryan that was a pretty passable ryan right there so that was my one lone experience where getting comrade bowser was like actually somehow enjoyable but for the most part it i sucks. would be i would be proud to have him be the the perpetrator of this i bet dylan remembers that specifically probably dylan's been pissed about it for years yeah that's that's still on he dylan has one of those um he has 
Arya's shit list that he says every night before he goes to bed. I'm pretty sure that's on it. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Kyle's sunflower seeds. <laughs> Tony's sir. Ryan's the Oliver. Hound, the tickler. Yeah. <laughs> Raph the sweetling. Yeah. All right, number one. All right, number one. I, I think it would be impossible to have a list like this and not have this be the number one, which is Mario Kart getting hit with the blue shell in first place or any of the other myriad of fuckery that can happen when you're in first place. The blue shell is yeah. the ultimate. It's the ultimate catch-up bullshit move of a video game. It, it is I, I, It is literally the design of it is you're doing well, fuck you. Yeah. Now you're not doing well. Like, that's, that's it. It's like, what's interesting about Mario Kart is like, there's like a couple ways to go about this. Like, you can either boost the people that are doing poorly like give give a handicap which like they do like you if you're in last you're probably going to get a star or like a, a gold boost or a bullet like whatever lightning or yeah or you can give people shitty items up front which also happens like if you're in first you're probably only going to get a banana or a green shell but then this is like it's like it's like a combination of both well it's it's actually a weird middle ground like it actually doesn't benefit, like, if you're, like, there's actually nothing worse than getting a blue shell if you're an eighth. Because it's like... Yeah, that's a good point. It's like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? Like, this doesn't help me from spaces no. seven to two. It is literally just a fuck you for whoever's in first. It really doesn't... It, it's like, this is something that's going to screw you over and really doesn't benefit me at all beyond being able to taunt you and prevent you from winning. What they've done in the newest Mario Kart is actually kind of smart is the blue shell travels on the ground. And so it doesn't home in on people, but if you happen to be in its path, it'll hit people as it moves to first. So, so I don't have, I, I, I didn't play any of the originals, but my recollection is that is how it originally used to be it, pre oh. pre N64, but it actually, it was, it wasn't just a blue shell. It was like the blue spiked shell that traveled along the ground. So that, that's my recollection of the first, when I played Like Super N64, Nintendo. Yeah, when I played like that, yes, that's how it worked. That seems more, I mean, like, then it's just, then it's just like everybody gets fucked by the blue shell. And like, your yeah. percentage odds of getting hit by it are 100% if you're in first place. And so it, it does that. Well, that's I'm, why I felt when we played it on on gamecube the mechanics of the blue shell are, are shell are different and worse yeah. because they do that yeah it's just a, it's just a fuck you from last to first and like the person in last like doesn't particularly give a shit like it's such a weird game dynamic and it's so that i like it's frustrating when playing with friends obviously but like weirdly for me like having played a lot of single player mario kart and like to get the highest score on a Grand Prix, you have to finish in first all four races. And, like, dominating the first three races, dominating the vast majority of the fourth race, being in first the whole time, and then getting hit, like, with half a lap to go at the end is just... It just feels like... It just feels like hitting, getting hit by lightning. Like, not Mario Kart lightning. Like, getting hit by actual lightning. Like, what the fuck was I supposed <laughs> to do here? I'm reading uh, the Wikipedia entry on the Blue Shell right now. <laughs> And it says 
in July 2017, Keith Stewart of The Guardian included the blue shell as one of the 11 greatest video game objects in history, stating the most controversial item in the Mario universe. The blue shell has brought frustration, recrimination, and anger to living rooms everywhere. Yeah. It's just a perfect encapsulation of the blue shell. It's just a legendary yeah. item. And yeah. legendarily frustrating. Yeah. Oh, great list, especially those top five. Those top five, like, got my blood boiling. <laughs> Amazing. That's just like, a, this, this, Tony, is exactly why we started the podcast. Like, this very concept is perfect for the pod. Well done. Thank you very much. All right. Well, what do you, Tony, what do you say? Mike and I can rattle off some ones that we thought of, and then you can do anything that didn't quite make your list. Yeah, go for it. What about, what'd you have, Mike? Uh, one, the only one that like immediately comes to mind that I wanted to mention was, um, I'm thinking of the, uh, the penguin level from Super Mario 64. There's a star that if you're down at the bottom of the hill, you have to go, there's like, a path going horizontally there's a wall and then there's a a parallel path up above and you have to do like a double jump kick off the wall and go back and i just it was challenging from a skill perspective but i'm still almost certain that about 80 percent of that was dictated by what the game felt like letting you do and I remember that being one of the most incredibly frustrating experiences in gaming history for me. I know the exact level you're talking about because I played through it not that long ago. And because this is a direct port and not a remaster, the, the issue persists. Yeah. <laughs> I will it say. was so frustrating. Yeah, that one sucks. Uh, that's it. That's the one I wanted to mention. Uh, okay. I have a, a decent number here. One is, because it's just so fucking hard, like, this is the kind of Dark Souls equivalent, is the Ocarina of Time Water Temple, which is just, yeah, <laughs> like, infamously fiendish and just, like, fucking mean. <laughs> I struggled with that for a long time as a youth, and then I played it again as an adult, like, in college, and still had a hard time with it, which is frustrating. This is just an example of, like, games becoming so complicated, like, Red Dead 2 has, like, the longer you play it, the more intuitive you realize the control system is, considering the insane amount of, like, customizability and, like, the number of things that you can do. But, like, learning it is really difficult. Like, there's a lot, there's a high barrier to entry. And for, like, the first four chapters of that game, I would accidentally shoot people in the head a lot when trying to speak <laughs> to them. Like, you, you mean you don't have that problem in real life, too? <laughs> not, thankfully. Not, thankfully, not. Because I, I usually don't carry, but the in Red Dead, like, like just tapping on the trigger button, which it's called a trigger button, but, like, it's also the shared button that you used. It's, like, right next to the button that you used to just pull up your inventory, and, like, there's a, there's a shortcut to draw your weapon when you're, like, talking to people, so if you just aren't familiar with the controls yet, you can accidentally they'll be like, welcome to town, partner, how can I... And then you just like <laughs> you just executed a shopkeeper for no good reason. <laughs> Sometimes poor game design can be frustrating. Like in Uncharted, they've gotten better as the games go, but they like the further you go, the more it's clear like which ledges you can like jump to and which you can't. But like in the earlier games, it's like really unclear. So you're so true. So you're like swinging on a rope, 
and you're like, okay, this is definitely where I'm supposed to go, and you let go and just like flail into an yeah. abyss, fall into the <laughs> abyss as that as that pan <laughs> flute goes. Yeah, and then well, it, uh, some NPC goes Drake. No, no, <laughs> happens a lot and it, it's frustrating when you feel like you did everything right but like you were misled by the game into thinking that like that ledge is the right one when it's actually that ledge over there uh left for dead <laughs> have you ever played left for dead tony yeah I, not the original i played left for dead too i played a decent amount of that so same thing and anytime there's a tank encounter pretty much the only way to survive <laughs> is to throw down a molotov and hope that the tank yeah. runs through it and catches on fire there's yeah. no worse experience than throwing a molotov down and then the tank does like an immediate U-turn and just like completely avoids the fire, and you're like, "Well, now we're gonna yeah. die." Uh, or, or having faced one tank and having a second one show up while yeah. you're in the middle of killing the first one. Yeah, yeah. The dice roll of like where the tank shows up is can be frustrating. So that's frustrating. And then the last one I'll say to just be like kind of a catch-all for like team, te- like game internet gaming like cooperatively with people you don't know is really frustrating and never more so than when playing overwatch uh have you ever played overwatch tony i I, okay so yeah so me and uh me and and matt from from school played pretty consistently like probably like once a week or once every two weeks probably over the last several years so yeah and that's that's a really interesting point too because like even having like two of us together i feel like we like have a semblance of what's going on and we can kind of help guide the game a little bit, but when it's just you. So Mike, it, Overwatch you're playing on it. It's six versus six. And mm-hmm. what's fun about it is that you're not just trying to kill everybody. There's it's like objectives based and all of your characters have different kind of like skill sets and they're usually not targeted towards just like eliminating the other opponent. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like a strategy game. It's really fun. But it only works if you have good team composition, like a, a good mm-hmm. mix of character types. And every character has like an ultimate ability they can use after a certain amount of time. And a lot of characters work well together. And so you can like chain ultimates. And But like, if you're playing with a team online of people you don't know, you don't yeah, get yes. to coordinate. So like if, you, if you've played enough, you kind of know like, okay, this guy's playing... This guy's playing Azaria, like I like I know when to hit my ult based on when that guy plays his ult. And like if you've played enough, you kind of know the beats and you know where you're supposed to be and like how how a team should function. There's nothing worse than like, for example, playing Zarya a lot, which I happen to do, and like the only function of your ultimate is to like ch- chain it with somebody else on your team, and like when that doesn't happen, it it's so fucking frustrating. And that's like a that's a really good catch-all for like any kind of cooperative online game where you can't or it's not like you can't i just choose not to interact with any of the people that i'm playing with because i don't want to talk to strangers but yeah no stranger danger so uh, there's nothing more like specifically ulting with zarya and not getting someone else to do it is really frustrating but those i want to mention one one last one that i forgot and this falls under the uh it's just a really hard thing to do that a lot of like regular gamers experience which is like songs such as through the fire and flames <laughs> on guitar hero like that's not frustrating per se because you know it can be done and it just requires a high degree of skill but it requires such a high degree of skill that basically nobody except that one asshole on youtube <laughs> back in the infancy of youtube could do it 
And I don't know who hasn't tried to play that song and just like, well, there's nobody who can do this. <laughs> yeah, just just like like things that are so hard as to be like just gimmicky. Yeah. yeah. Right. Wow, that was a lot of fun to discuss all those things, I will say. That was quite a bit of fun. I don't feel the need to re-rank this list, partially because you did such a good job with it and partially because we've taken a long time to do it. How do you feel, Tony? Did you come here looking for a fight, or would you be okay with that arrangement? No, I think I think I'm I'm good with where everything landed or continued to exist. Good, beautiful. Well, it's only going to be that way because you did such a great job on this list, and I don't know what your schedule looks like, but if this is the sort of heat you bring, you're welcome anytime because this was fantastic. Well, I'm happy to hear that. I've got I've got a couple others in my back pocket that I could uh, I could throw up so. more than I got. So let's, please, let's not wait until our mutual birthday next year to get that yeah. like get that brewing. Because we were talking. I was gonna sorry. say if 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 we continue our current timing, you know, 2024, <laughs> yeah. queuing up another one. Yeah. No, let's do it uh, far before 2024. All right. It's a, All right. It's a deal. Well, let's uh, let's hit a recap, Tony, and then we'll uh, we'll get the hell out of here. Yeah. All right. So number ten, I've got Need for Speed Time Trials. Number nine, Super Smash Brothers. Can't get back up on the map. <laughs> number eight, Dark Souls. Literally any part of the game. <laughs> yeah. Tony Hawk Pro Skater failing a huge combo at number seven. Uh, six, Halo getting killed before you can use any of the cool weapons. Number five, Pokemon, trying to catch a legendary Pokemon and failing. <laughs> Number four, FIFA, again, basically anything about the game. <laughs> Getting fifa Number three, Super Mario Sunshine, any of the levels where you don't have the, uh, the water jetpack. Uh, number two, Mario Party and uh, Comrade Bowser. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that one. That's a, great, that's a great one. Yeah. Keep that one in my back pocket. Uh, and then number one, Mario Kart, the blue shell. The only way this list could have been topped was with the blue shell. So you did that correctly. Yeah, for sure. Oh, thanks, Tony. That was awesome. Worth the. I mean, yeah. I'm sad that it took us this long to get you on, but worth the wait. This is typically the part where I do thank you. So in addition to doing thank yous for uh, Tony, I will also say thank you to Kevin McLeod, whose music you heard expertly cued earlier by Tony. Kevin did the Not Top 3 music, which was stanky, and our intro music, which you may be hearing even at this moment, and is also stanky. So For thank sure. You. So thank you, Kevin, even though we don't know you. Someone who we do know is my sister Erin, who did the artwork for this podcast, which is stanky in its own right, in a different way. Now, Erin has a lot of other cool stuff that she's done artistically. The best place to see those things is at Sant Design on Instagram. Which I don't spend a lot of time on Instagram, but I did look at it recently. It really is a wonderful place. You should visit her it's Instagram It's a great page. place to be. It's, great. it's a great place to be. And for the listeners who are wondering, yes, Sant is the last name for Aaron and Sant Design. And also, she has not changed her last name from Kyle's last name. So in case you're wondering, Kyle's full name is Kyle Sant. Uh, if you're looking for him, you probably just type that in plus a bunch of other information we've disclosed to this podcast uh bim bam boom you've got his personal info location probably social security so have fun while we're doing thank yous thank you for that mike 
do appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. And yeah. while we're at it, I'll thank my <laughs> wife, who recently, you'll probably have guessed, uh, so previously I was telling you to go to Caroline Labranti. Now I'm telling you to go to Caroline Giuliano. So you know my last name, too. It's uh, even, well, I'd say it's about as equally as irregular as Kyle's. But thanks to Caroline for her wonderful work uh, on our social media platforms. She runs our Instagram account. Which you can find at top10km on Instagram with the 10 spelled out T-E-N. You can check out the Facebook group that she, I don't know, occasionally updates on Facebook. That's uh, Top 10 with Kyle and Mike. Everything spelled out. You can also shoot us an email on our Gmail, top10km at gmail.com. The 10 spelled out T-E-N. Tell us how we failed you. Tell us Tony's a much better host than one or both of us. I'd like to also direct you when you're checking out our social meds to go to Caroline's personal photography account, uh, Caroline Giuliano, Caroline.Giuliano photos. I don't remember. Uh, Google around, you'll find it and book her to do some photos so that I get money in my pocket. Yeah, it benefits me financially. Uh, And finally, well, I'm sure you're listening to us in some sort of listening app if you're looking for another one. You're on Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, that pretty much wherever podcasts can be found. So, friends, that's it. I got nothing else to say. I'm done with these great headphones. Work, I want to take them out. Great work, Mike, and great work, Tony. That was yeah. uh, lots of fun. I will hopefully talk yeah, to Tony, you very soon. Wonderful uh, strategy, wonderful execution. Beautifully done. Thank you very much. All right. Oh, wow. Peace. You sound like Elvis at the end there. Peace. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know why I'm much. <laughs> <laughs>